0: Awesome. Yes, give him praise. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. Hopefully, everybody is all full on turkey, right? Nice Thanksgiving meals that everybody had, I would assume. I know we did, so you can probably tell. I'm nice and full on turkey, that is for sure. But, Thanksgiving is over. And guess what's here? Christmas. Christmas is here. All right, so by raise of hands, how many people have already decorated their house for Christmas? All right. That's a good, a good majority. I'd say that's a good majority. All right, how many have already put their tree up? All right, good deal, good deal. So we had some frustrations this year. Of figuring out what we're gonna do for our Christmas tree. Um, ever since we were married, we would always go up to the mountains, and we would go to this place called Frosties. It's a choose and cut. You get to go up there, pick a tree out, weigh the little thing up in the air. They come cut it down, and then you have a Christmas tree, and it's so much fun. You pay for the experience. It's expensive, but you pay for the experience. So we got to thinking this year. We're like, you know, that's that's for us. I mean, we've been doing this ever since we were married—a whole five years, five Christmases. We have gone up to this place and we've cut. We don't want to. We don't want to break our longstanding tradition. We don't want to do that. But we got to thinking, you know, if it'd be nice just to save a little money this year. So we went we went to Lowe's and we looked at a couple Christmas trees, real Christmas trees, and they were expensive. And we were like, man, I know it's going to be expensive up at Frosty's. If they're expensive here at Lowe's, for sure it's going to be expensive. And uh, so we got to think, and we're like, maybe we'll mix it up this year. We'll get a fake one. And we'll just, I know it would be a little more expensive to get the fake one than the real one. But then the next few years, you use it, and you don't waste all that money on a piece of firewood that you're just going to throw out after Christmas is over. You know, you get to use it for years and years and save that money. So we, that was our plan. Then, something hit me, is that I am a man of tradition, and next year, I'm not going to want to put up a fake Christmas tree. I want to put up a real Christmas tree like we always do. So we got to think, and we're like, well, just, maybe we'll just go to a Christmas tree lot. Maybe they'll be cheaper. So we start trying to call around, and Heather ended up calling Frosties to see how much it was going to be for, for us to get a Christmas tree up there. Come to find out, it was actually cheaper than going to Lowe's. But at this point, we've already made plans. We can't we can't go back on these plans. We can't get up there. So we were texting people. We were trying to figure out what we are going to do. And th- finally, we decided we're just going to go to this Christmas tree lot right down the road. Well, they were expensive. We found another one. Well, they were expensive. We found another one. They had a bunch of good Christmas trees, and they were cheaper. And so we did that. How many of you guys have experienced some sort of Kink in your plan that has just made everything gone awry. You can just raise your hand because I know we all have. We all have those disruptions to our plans, right? This morning for us, it's been the, the, the weird stuff in the sound, or not the sound quit, but all the, the tech stuff. You know, just a bunch of weird stuff by no one's fault. It's just, it's just what has happened. You, you, you get that those, those little uh, frustrations in your life every so often, and it messes up your plans. Well, we're going to be talking about planning today. So if you would like to turn to James chapter 4, go ahead and do that, and that's where we're going to be. For those of you that may not know me, my name is Seth Parnell. I'm the associate pastor here, and on top of being an associate pastor, I get to run around with all the teenagers and the kids and have fun with them. That's a lot of my responsibility and ministry here. Um, But I have been in a series every time I get to preach over the course of probably a year now. Every time I get up, I'm preaching out of this series out of James, and the series is called Just Do It, all right, and so there's a lot of practical, real good information in the book of James that God has given us, just good practical ways to live out our faith, and the point of it is just we have to do it, we have to do our faith, we have to do the things that God has told us to do, so the title of this message today is Do the Submitting, Do the Submitting, all right? So let's just do this. Let's open up and let's read through this passage because it's a short passage for today. It's just a few verses. So let's do that now. James chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 13. We're going to start here. And it says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to come to you right now. and We want to come to you with humble hearts ready to hear your word, ready to hear your message. God, I pray that you would speak through me. Lord, I pray that you would get me out of the way and let it be you who these people hear from this morning. God, I pray that you would just um, do some incredible things, and we thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So planning. When I was in high school, in my early years of college, um, I held on to these verses Because the way I like to interpret them is to say, God doesn't want you to plan. He just wants you to live live life by the seat of your pants. And just whatever comes your way, that's what you want to do. Don't boast about tomorrow. Don't boast about the things, all your plans. Just live life the way God wants you to. There might be a little bit of truth in that, but that's not exactly what this passage is saying. All right? How many of you can raise your hands and say, you are planners. You like to have your schedule, you like to have, you know, to know what's going to be happening all throughout the day, in the next course of the week, and the next course of the few weeks and months, and that's just what you like to do. Well, I married a planner, and I dated her back in college. Back in college, I was not a planner. I liked to live life by the seat of my pants. That's just, that's just the way it was for me. Whereas Heather would go, she had her, her little nice calendar book, or I don't even know what you had, but actually it was probably your, your laptop. You put all of, all of the different due dates in the calendar and when they were due and had all these different reminders and ways to help her prepare so that she would be ready to be prepared for that test or for that paper or for whatever it is. And I'm over here going, oh, wait, i got a test in the morning. Let me study real quick. Yeah, you know, that's, that's how I like to live my college days. Well... Then I get here to farm to Baptist Church, and our pastor is a planner, more so than my wife. I think he has the next 20 years of this church planned out in detail, maybe I, I, his sermons are at least for the next year, which is crazy. I couldn't even fathom that when I first started. Well, I've become a little bit more of a planner after being here for some time, but let's let's look at these verses again, something that I think we have to understand in order to to, to really grasp what this passage is saying. We have to understand some of, the, some of the context, some of the culture of what people were doing. All right, So it says here, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. So first off, there's, in this passage, there's some sort of condemnation that James is saying based off of these people, these planners. There's some sort of condemnation that he is, he is sending their way. What these people would do is these were maybe a little bit more of the wealthy people who what they would do is they had um, they had some, some something that they would bring to another city and they would trade it and they would um, they would go into a city and they would spend a year there they would take time they would make profit and they would come back home so that they could live off of that profit now something that we have to understand about this is this was two thousand years ago when We didn't have fast cars to get us from point A to point B. We didn't have airplanes to get us across the world in half a day. We didn't have boats. uh, Well, they had boats, but they didn't have fast boats in order to get them from place to place. They had to really plan out this business trip. They had to think, okay, if I'm going to this city, which it would take days, if not months, in order to get to this city, I've got to plan out all my stops, I've got to plan out how I'm going to, you know, set up camp for the night, how I'm going to feed myself, am I going to hunt along the way, or am I going to bring stuff so that I can, I can feed myself along the way, and then when I get to this town, I've got to be able to set up some sort of establishment for myself, I've got to have a place I'm either going to rent or maybe camp out, but then I've got to have a place to store all the stuff that I'm bringing to sell, or a place for me to, to, to make the things I'm going to sell. There was a lot of planning that was involved in this type of trip. This type of planning was all-consuming. It would have been all-consuming. Everything, everything, every fiber inside of them would have been on this road of, of trying to figure out what am I going to do, how am I, am I going to accomplish these things so that I can make money and come back and live off of it, all right? So that's kind of what was happening And James has some condemnation for that. But before we understand what James is condemning, let's look at what James is not condemning. First off, James is not condemning travel. He is not saying that it is a sin to go into such and such a town and stay a certain amount of time there. He is not saying that it is wrong for us to to move and, and, and to travel and go somewhere. What he is also not condemning is... Moving yourself and your location and living in a, different lo- in a different location. he is not condemning actually being in a different place and moving there. Something else that he's not con- condemning is business. The Bible talks about how good it is to work. We need to work. That is something good that we need to do. He's not condemning that. And he's also not condemning making money. He's not condemning making a profit. What he is condemning, though, is this. He is condemning a boastful and arrogant spirit about your future plans while leaving God out of the picture. In a nutshell, that's what James is saying. He's saying, you're going to make all these plans, you're going to make all of these arrangements for you to go and do business and make money and come back. But you're leaving God out of the picture. You're boasting in your arrogance. You're boasting about your plans. Instead, and we can, look, we can find this in verse um, 15, instead, you ought to say this, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. It's fine to have these plans. It's fine to do this business. It's fine to go these different places. But you need to keep in mind that if it's the Lord's will, that is what you need to do. You need to keep in mind the Lord's will. So, so often we as Christians, just as people in general, we get tunnel visioned on our goals. We get tunnel vision on our plans. And to some extent, that's good because if you have a goal, you've got to be focused on it. You've got to be focused if you're going to accomplish this goal, attack it. You've got to go for it. You've got to accomplish it. But we can get so tunnel vision that we forget to include in our attacking these goals. We forget to include the course and steps that God wants us to take. Um, I I feel like today is a survey Sunday. How many people in the crowd, by raise of hands, uses the Bible app? All right, good deal. Um, Sometimes the Bible app, I, I like to use it for like devotions, and they'll have like a verse of the day or a thought of the day. And there was this one particular one that, that Dr. Tim Keller, Dr. Timothy Keller, um, he gave, and if you don't know who Tim Keller is, he's, he, he's a pastor, he's a theologian, uh, he's a very elegant speaker. He's also a very matter-of-fact speaker, but he's, he's very elegant in his words, and he can take something that is way up here and make it so simple that it is easy for us down here, me down here, I don't know about you guys, me down here to understand it, and there was this one, it was the verse Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And This is what the verse says. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, I like to say acknowledge, but I like the way this is, in all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. So this is the verse that he starts to break down, and he's breaking down this, this verse, and he's saying, you know how important it is for us to lean on not our own understanding, Lean on God. And the reason why is this. Because, and this is his words, we are idiots. That's what Tim Keller says. The reason we need to lean on our own understanding is because we are idiots. Now, I know, they don't, don't say those words. You shouldn't say those words, especially not in church. But that's what he says about us. And he, he, he begins to explain this. The, the reason why, think about it when back when you were 20. All right, you're, you're, you're back, in, you're back in, in your 20s, your early, early 20s. And you would think about yourself as a 15-year-old. You would think, oh, how, how dumb was I to do the certain things that I did when I was a 15-year-old? I didn't know anything about life, and I thought I was just all that in a bag of barbecue potato chips. I think is what Pastor Philip likes to say. You know, that's what, how I used to think, and now I'm 20. I know so much more about life now. But then you think about you when you were 25 and you look back at your 20-year-old self and you think, oh, man, when I was in college, I was doing all of this, just really making these bad decisions and doing these dumb things and I was not being very smart or wise about my future. Now I'm here at 25 and, you know, I have all this maybe school debt and all these, all these loans and I just don't know what I'm doing in life. And then think about yourself as a, as a 30-year-old and you look back at 25. And the same thing, if you're to go throughout your whole course of life, you could go back several years and you could see that you really didn't know what you were doing in life. And Tim Keller says that's why it's so important that we lean not on our own understanding, but we lean on God's understanding. Now, it doesn't always make sense for us to do what God says because His logic is a little different than our logic. It makes a lot more sense for us to try to take control and and be safe with our life. But God knows the future. God knows the plans that he has set forth for our lives. He created us. So why wouldn't we trust him with our life? Why wouldn't we lean on his understanding and not ours? It's because we get tunnel vision and we try to make our own plans without including him. We need to make sure that we are stepping in line with his will. Every step that we take, it is so important that we make sure that these steps are in line with his will. It's okay to make plans. It's okay to do business. It's okay to make money. But we need to make sure that if it's the Lord's will... That needs to be the thing that we always fall back on. Is this God's will? Is this God's will? So, I have a couple things that I, some, some tips to you guys just to help you in following after God's will. Um, I've heard a few stories, actually, multiple stories of um, young college age, uh, I almost said teenagers, but young college age, young adults who they thought it was God's will for them to marry this girl over here. They just said, you know, it's just, she's the one. She's the one. It is God's will. I know that this is God's will for me to marry this girl. Not realizing that there was another guy who was also saying the same thing. I just know it is God's will for me to marry this girl. Now, someone is wrong, right? Someone Someone is wrong there because we know it's not God's will for two people to marry one person. I mean, we know that's that's not right. So somebody's wrong there, all right? So it's important for us to be able to discern God's will. What is God's will? What is God's will for my life? What is God's will for me in general? So I have a few tips that we're going to go through today. Number one, number one is you have to have a relationship with him so he can transform you. Now, We could even start, we could say, really, 1.1 is this. You have to be saved. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in order to know anything about God's will. Because the Holy Spirit is not going to speak to you except for piercing your heart and showing you how to be saved, showing you that you need salvation, you need to be with Him. So the first step, really, is having that personal relationship with Jesus Christ as your Savior. But then we could say 1.2 is this, is that you need to have, well, not, not two. sorry, go back. I was, I was doing a little something else. One point two is this, that you need to have a relationship with God so that he can transform you. Because when you get saved, it's important to maintain that relationship with God. It's important that you dive into who he is. You learn about him. You learn about his character. You learn about what he has said in scripture. You learn about how he moves in people's lives. You have to have this relationship with him. Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The more time you spend with God, the less time you spend with this world, you are transforming your mind to look the way that it's supposed to, to think the way it's supposed to, to set up your goals and your course of life the way that God wants you to. And when you do that, you can test certain things in this this life to see if this is God's will. You can go up to this certain thing and say, "Ah, should I do this? Well, it doesn't really line up with his will, so no, I shouldn't do that. Well, maybe should I take this course of action in life? Well, that doesn't really line up with, with God's will, so maybe I won't do that. It helps you better discern God's will, the more you spend time with him, because you begin to think like him, your mind is transformed. So, number two tip to understanding how to discern the will of God is you have to read his word so he can equip you. 2 Timothy 3.16-17 through says, all scripture is God-breathed. Now, if God breathed it, then his will is all through scripture. If God breathed, it, His will is all through Scripture and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you want to know God's will, you got to get into the Word. Now, I'm not saying that you could go anywhere in Scripture and you could find, okay, uh, in Isaiah 62, 9, it has... The plan for my life. Oh, right there, it's written out. It says Seth is supposed to go to college, and then he's supposed to get married, and then he's supposed to do an internship at Farmington Baptist Church, and then he's supposed to blah, 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 blah. That's not, that's not what I mean by this. What I do mean by this is God has a lot of, a lot of things about, about his will. For example, it is his will that you be obedient to him. It is his will that you live righteously it is his will that you love the people around you that he has placed around you there's so many things that we can discern about his will that we don't have to know every every minute detail about every step in our in our life that we need to take we just need to read this and say these are some things that God has said about about his will about his character about what i need to do and this helps me to better know his will so point number 3 is you have to listen for him so that he can lead you. John 10, 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Are you listening for God in your life? Are you listening for his his calling? Are you listening for him to move you in a certain direction? Are you listening for him to teach you about himself? Now, I'm not. I'm not saying that he may come to you in some audible voice and, And just, Brian, this is my will for your life. But the Holy Spirit works. And he convicts. And he illuminates. And he helps us know about ourselves. He helps us know about God's word and God's will. Are you listening to what he's saying to you in your life? And number four is this. I love this concept. You have to know who he, being God, who God created you to be. Psalm 139, 13 through 14, it says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God knew everything about you as he was forming you in your mother's womb. In fact, he's the one who created you. He put together not just your bones and ligaments and your brain and body parts, but he put together your your skills. He put together your abilities. He put together your passions, your drives, your strengths, and your weaknesses. If you want to know what you're supposed to do in life, look at how he has made you. Now, I'm not saying that God's going to sit here and um, he will never use a strength of yours, or he'll never give you some sort of, sort of, of, of different kind of strength. What I am saying is this. Maybe if God didn't make you with an incredible athletic ability, it's not God's will for you to become an NFL superstar. All right? You tracking with me? But maybe God, maybe God gave you a, a skill set where you can lead people. You need to think about that. How can I use this to accomplish God's goals? Because if he gave me this skill set of leadership and leading people, then it must mean that he wants me to use it. Maybe God gave you the heart of a servant, and just something about you just wells up inside of you, and you love to serve people. Well, maybe you should use that to accomplish something for God that's part of his will for your life. So you look to see how, who God has made you, how he has made you, and that's going to help you better discern his will for your life. Now, there's a couple ways that God moves as well in people's lives. One of these examples is, um, is in Scripture. It's, it's Abraham. Now, you all know the story of Abraham. Abraham was the father of the nation of Israel. But going all the way back to the beginning, God called Abraham to be the father of this nation. And he said, I'm going to do something really incredible in your life, but you've got to be willing to follow me. And so he told Abraham, he said, go to the land that I show you. Well, that's really descriptive, isn't it? All he did is he told Abraham to go. And at this point, his name was Abram. It wasn't even Abraham. He told Abraham just to go. And when you get there, I will show you where you're supposed to be. And so Abraham did that. He started walking in the direction that God wanted him to go. And then along the way, God even stopped him in a certain land. He said, this land right here, I'm going to give to you, but not yet. Keep on going. And so he gave him some different things along the way to kind of help him see, to to confirm that he was walking in the right direction. But Abraham needed to trust God. And I think sometimes God does that in our life. He tells you, he says, this is the general direction that I want you to go in life, but I want you to start walking. And he doesn't give us every step of the way. And I'm glad that he doesn't. Because I know if he told me that on Today, I was to be standing right here preaching five, six, seven years ago. If he had told me that, I would have done everything in my own strength in order to get to this place. But you know what? My strength isn't as good as God's strength. I can't see all the beautiful places that God could have taken me to get me to this location right here in this moment. And so I'm glad that God doesn't reveal every single step of the way because it takes out the part of us needing to be dependent on him and trusting him if he were to give us all those steps so for Abraham he didn't give him those steps but another way that God moves in our lives and in people's lives we're going to look at the life of Paul now many of you guys know Paul was a missionary and he did some incredible things. He went on several different missionary journeys, and he went to different cities and different, different locations, and he preached the gospel. He preached the good news of Jesus Christ, and he started churches. But what he would do, he knew it was his call. He knew he was supposed to go into these different places and preach the gospel, but he didn't know every single little step that he was supposed to take. He had to rely on God, but he would try to open up doors. You ever, you ever heard that analogy before? Well, if the door is open to me, then I'll take it. Well, sometimes the door's not open. Sometimes it's closed, but it's unlocked. Sometimes God wants you to take that door. He wants you to go up to it and see, is it, is it oh, it's unlocked. I can step through it. And this is what Paul did. Specifically, there was one, at one point in Acts 16 where Paul was going to these different places. And it says in those verses that the Holy Spirit stopped him. That he, he was going into this town. His goal was to preach the gospel, but the Holy Spirit told him, don't do that. Not right here, not right now. I want you to go somewhere else. So he went to the next city, and he started to, to do the same thing. He was going to preach the gospel, and the Holy Spirit stopped him. He said, no, no, not right, not right here, not right now. But he was trying to open doors, and at every, every possible chance that he got, he was going to take it. Sometimes that's how we need to live our lives as well. We don't know exactly what it is that God's going to do in our life, but we just need to try. We just need to try. Sometimes we, I feel like we want God to just write in the sky and just say, this is my plan for you. This is what I want. But he doesn't always act that way. Another person that I want to look at just briefly is Mary. I had to throw this in here because it's Christmas time now. And this message has nothing to do, really, with Christmas. So we had to throw this in here. But think about this. God moved in her life in a really big way. The angel came to Mary, and the angel said, Mary, guess what? You're going to have a baby. And she said, I'm not even, I'm not even married. Like, what do you mean? How am I going to have a baby? And Gabriel said, The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you're going to conceive, and you're going to have a child. And he is going to be the Son of God. He overwhelmingly poured this information on her, this new direction, this new objective, this overwhelming thing that she was going to have to do, and bear the Son of God. She was faithful in it. Sometimes that's what God does with us. He doesn't give us every single little step, but he says, this is the thing that I am calling you to. Are you going to be faithful? Are you going to be obedient? Are you going to follow me in this direction? Mary was. She didn't, God didn't give her a manual. You know, this is how you raise a divine slash human being. Like, he didn't give her that. She had to trust him in every aspect of her life. She had to trust him. So, the question is this. Yes, we know that we need to trust God in our plans. Yes, we know that God has a will for us. Yes, that we know that we need to submit ourselves to his will in our planning. But why is that? Well, the reason is found in this verse right here, right in the middle of this passage, in in, uh, chapter 4, verse 14, it says this. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You are a mist. Your life is but a mist. Have any of y'all ever woken up early in the morning and you looked outside, and you just saw this beautiful, misty fog just settling right on top of, of the soil. It's a beautiful sight, isn't it? We had an experience like this, uh, Heather and I. Um, back in June, we had an awesome opportunity to go on a, um, a five-year anniversary trip. Overnight, we went to this place called the Pisgah Inn. I don't know if you guys know about that or where that is. It's in the Pisgah National Forest near Pisgah, North Carolina. That's where we went. Now, if any of you have ever been to the Blue Ridge Parkway, you know when you get there and there's these like little scenic overviews where you can pull over and you can get out of your car and you can get your binoculars out and look at just the vast mountain range that's there? Well, this Pisgah Inn, basically that's what it was. Our balcony, uh, we were on the second story, our balcony, as you look out, it's just a scenic overview. It is beautiful. It is incredible. It's gorgeous. And we planned our whole trip. I don't know about Heather, but I know I planned my whole trip on this one thing of waking up early in the morning and seeing the beautiful sunrise. And we we got there, and we even got to have dinner in this. Um, they have a little diner there, and there's a beautiful overlook, and you get to eat your, your gourmet food as you're looking out into just the vast mountain range. It's beautiful. And then we, we, got, we, went to, we went to sleep, we woke up, and we had our coffee. We were ready to see this beautiful sunrise. And we get out there, and this is what we saw. Nothing. <laughs> Fog. there's this white mist. Our whole hotel was just covered in this cloud. We could see nothing probably maybe 10 feet ahead of us. You could even see the mist just whisk by, laughing at us. Ha, ha, ha. We just ruined your whole trip. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, I had my coffee. I was ready. I was ready to see this beautiful sunrise, and there's just no view whatsoever. Very, very disappointing. Very frustrating. But you know what? I let 10 minutes pass by, and this is what we got to see. Oh, that's pretty. That is beautiful. And then about 20 or 30 minutes passed by, and this is what we got to see. It was amazing. That mist lasted for maybe half an hour at most. It was there, and then it was gone. James says, this is your life. This is your life. You are here, you live life, and then you're done. And life is over. Your life is is a mist. Some translations even say your life is a vapor. You've ever taken a pot of water and you're boiling it to make some macaroni and cheese and you see the vapor come up. It's a split second and it's gone. That is our life. You know, I've really, I've really been struggling with this idea, this year particularly. So I don't know if y'all know this, but in January, I turned 30. Oh. I turned 30. And see, it, it's hard for me because I'm looking back, I don't feel like I'm 30. Honestly, I feel more like I'm 16, right? Or at least in my mind, I feel that way. And maybe even <laughs> my maturity level, I feel that way. <laughs> I look back and I think, you know, just just 10 years ago, I was in college, and I was dating Heather Norman at the time, not Heather Parnell, Heather Norman at the time, and we were going through life, getting to know each other. And even before then, I was, I was in high school. And even before then, I was just living at home with my family and my parents. And I hadn't a care in the world. My biggest worry was whether I was going to get to play outside today or not. What's the weather going to be like so I can go play outside? That's all I cared about during those times. And, and as I look back, I think, where did, where did that time go? 30 years. It's here and there. And I hear, I hear people say this all the time. You know, those who are in their, in their 50s or their 60s or their 70s or 80s, it just goes by like that. It is here, and then it's gone. That's what our life is like. Why is it so important that we submit to God's will and our planning? Because we don't have time to get it wrong. We don't have time to chase our own dreams and desires Our life is here, and then it's gone. We need to spend every moment chasing the will of God, every moment submitting to his call on our lives. It is so important that we do that. And I think about the young people in the room, maybe in your teenagers, teenagers, in your teenage years, you have your whole life ahead of you, but you don't. Because it's going to fly by, and the decisions that you're making now is going to affect the course of your life in the future. Now, I don't know what God's intricate design and plan is for your life, but I know his, his desire is for you to follow him. His desire is for you to be in his will. Don't waste your life. Don't waste this time thinking, what, what can I get out of life? And, you know, I'll spend these few years living for me, and then I'll spend the rest of my life living for God. You may not get that. You may not get that. But then I look out into the crowd, and I don't know all of your stories. I don't know what what your past is and and what God has done and what you have done. But you may be sitting here today thinking, you know, I haven't lived my whole life following after God. There's a lot of times that I wish that I had been following after him. So my encouragement to you today is to just follow him today. Because here's the amazing thing about God. God uses that wasted time that we we used in selfishness, self-centeredness, and we wasted. God uses that mess, that brokenness, that misguided direction, and he makes it wonderful. Not only does God just take your life and set you on a new course, he uses what we would consider the wasted time of our life for our current and for our future. He uses that time, and he wastes nothing. Whereas we look at our life and we, we think that we've wasted it, God can use it for his glory. But maybe you're sitting here today, and you feel like you are following God. You are in his will. You know that you are doing what God has called you to do in your life in your career, in your direction, you know that you are following after Him. My encouragement to you today is to remain faithful. Because every day following after God, every day submitting to His will is a challenge. And it is up to you to be faithful to God's call. That you continue to go into this and walk in the steps that you need to take. It is important that you do that. And that you trust Him with your life. It doesn't always make sense to do what God has called us to do. Yeah, I could think of countless examples where God's called someone to do something and it doesn't make sense. Abraham, why would you why would you call me to sacrifice my only son, the heir to this nation? Like, why would you call me to do that? But God had a purpose. Are you trusting God with your life? Are you submitting to him in your planning. You need plans. You need goals. You need to shoot for something, but you need to make sure that you're submitting to God's will and you're letting him direct that plan. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for all that you do. God, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for the blessings that you give us that we just don't deserve, God. We thank you for the that you've given us. And God, I pray that every person in here would just be a good steward of the life that you've given them. God, you know the different things that that people are going through. You know their struggles. You know their hardships. You know the things that are keeping them from following after you. And God, I pray that they would just not let those things distract them any longer. That today, they would lay those things down and they would follow after your will. God, I pray if, if, if there's any kind of doubt about what it is you're calling them to do, that you would just be clear, that you would show them the steps they need to take. Because God, our life is a mist. We are here today and we are gone tomorrow. So Lord, I pray that we wouldn't waste any time, but that we would invest our life, we would invest that time following after you. Lord, we leave this message, we leave these hearts in your hands so that you can guide them and you can direct them in the way that you want them to go. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, well, one of the things we learned today is that if you're over 30 in the room, you have one step into the grave. That's one thing that we've learned today. Second thing.